about what that means. And it's not like signing up for every single week. It's a commitment one, once a month. That would help out. Twice a month, that would help out. They're not going to let you sign up for every, every Sunday a month, so, so don't worry about that. But, but, but join the planters, okay? <laughs> That's what I want to charge us to do. Join the planters, because God's got to work a business he's about, and he does it through so many things here. He does it through Grace Kids, too. So we, we ask that you would consider that uh, this morning as well. And, and we're going to dive into God's word this morning. I just want to pray. I just want to pray that he does a planting in us, amen? Because he's, he's got a word to sow in our hearts this morning. And, and I, I'm just excited for uh, what he has for us. So uh, especially because you don't have to be bored with just me. Today is Pastor Mark and I sharing it. So you get a little variety this morning. We'll be uh, sharing this time coming up. But God has good stuff. And the most important voice isn't my voice. It's not Mark's voice. It's God's voice. So, so let's pray that we would hear his, his voice accurately to, today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, your presence here. We thank you that you are risen and that you promise us new life. God, we thank you that you do a, a work in us that lasts generations, that you are capable of that. We thank you that you did it in your disciples. We thank you did it, that you did it through them, and now we are experiencing the fruit of that thousands of years later. God, we ask that you would plant seeds this morning that would bear fruit that we can't even predict. Because every time we come to you, every time we come to your word, it's powerful. Every time we come to your word, it's a seed that can, plant, that can bear fruit that we, we don't even know, but you do, Lord. So God, make us ready. This morning, make us ready to, to hear what you would have for us in your word. Make us ready so that we are hearers, not just this morning, but every morning, every day this week. God, as you continue to speak, make us ready to listen. Make us ready to follow you. God, we confess this morning that we do not live by bread alone. Not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, Lord. So we ask for the life of your word to speak life to us today. And it's your name, in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we are, uh, we get the joy of continuing in John chapter 6 today. Uh, you can open your Bibles or, or scroll there in your devices. If you want to follow along, it'll be up on the screen as well. But I, I want to point out that in John chapter 6, we're going to see a pattern that actually started in John chapter 5. If you were with us for the last three, four weeks, we've been in John chapter 5. And, and Jesus, what happened there was Jesus performed a sign. He performed a miracle. There were a bunch of people that celebrated, and then there were some who didn't. And that, that miracle didn't just lead to celebration. It led to some people threatening him, some people wanting to kill him. And this whole dialogue, it was, it was like a trial of who Jesus was, this dialogue about who he was. And we saw that over the last few weeks. Chapter 6 is going to do the exact same thing. There's going to be a miracle that happens. We're going to experience and, and, and read about that miracle today, the feeding of the 5,000, one we probably already all know, because it's, it's one of the only stories that's told in all four of the Gospels. It's that big of a deal. And then as we go on in future weeks in John chapter 5, uh, John chapter 6, uh, it's going to lead to dialogue about who Jesus is. And by the end of this chapter, here's how high the stakes are. By the end of this chapter, there's going to be disciples who are grumbling, that are celebrating now. They're going to be grumbling. There's going to be some that will walk away. There's going to be a disciple ready to betray him to death. But that's, that's all down the road. Let's not, let's not rush too fast because there's lessons to be learned. There's, there's something to hear just in the miracle itself. And that's what we're looking at. John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. 
It says this, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was about to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, that's about, that's about six months' wages. So Philip looks at this crowd and does the math real quick. He says, this is six months' wages. That much worth of bread would not be enough for everybody to get a little bite. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had all, every single one of them, when they had all eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And so at the end of this miracle, we see Jesus withdrawing from the crowd. And that's actually how the miracle started too. Jesus withdraws from the crowd. Because this is in all four Gospels, we hear some more context in the other Gospels. And it, the other Gospels tell us he's been teaching all day. He's been performing miracles. John says there's people coming because, because they've seen him do healings. And Jesus is trying to get away with his disciples to rest or just, just to be with them, just to have conversation with them. And it, it, says, it says in verse 5, it says this, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. So Jesus lifted up his eyes and, and saw, and this is actually exactly the same phrase that John used back in chapter four. When, if you remember in chapter four, Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman and then she went off to tell everybody that, uh, about how great he was. And his disciples come and he, says, he starts to teach him and he says, guys, look up. He says, lift your eyes and look and see. And there's a harvest there's a harvest coming in. And so right, right here, John uses the exact same language. This time it's Jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing. And what does he see? Well, I, I'll tell you what he could have seen. He was tired, right? His disciples were tired. They had been serving. He, they just wanted to get rest, to get away. And so Jesus could have looked up and seen this crowd and seen an interruption. Oh, man, here they come again. <laughs> like, don't, don't we ever get a break? Don't we ever get a chance? He could have seen an interruption. He could, have seen, he could have seen a problem. I don't know why, but all these people showed up and they did not have food. All of them showed up and he didn't have food. Jesus could have seen that and said, oh gosh, here, here they come. Here's a, here's a problem. He could have seen people who, they, they were coming because they saw miracles. And John's already told us about those people who just see works and all they want is more and more and more works. John told us that's a problem. So, so Jesus could have looked at them and could have said, oh man, here they come coming for the wrong reasons. Don't they get it? But, but Jesus didn't lift his eyes and see an interruption. He didn't lift his eyes and see an annoyance. He didn't lift his eyes 
and, and see a problem, he lifted his eyes and he saw a need. That's it. He saw a need. He saw people in need. And, and I love this because he, he invites the disciples to see the same thing. He invites Philip in and says, Philip, look with me. <laughs> Do you see the need? And, and I think we need to get this this morning because sometimes we just don't see the need. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you looked around you and sought people in deep, deep need? Some of us can go a while without seeing that because our, our culture isolates us from need. Do you know that? Like, like we live in our homes and a lot of us have those privacy fences in the backyard so we don't have to see our neighbor's needs. <laughs> and we live in these housing plans and residential communities in the suburbs and it's not your fault, it's not my fault. We just, we just live there, but we live there with a whole bunch of people who make about the same as we do, more or less. But we don't see those people who make a whole lot less. I was thinking about this. When was the last time I saw somebody, like in, in true deep need, I mean, we see them come to grace. Don't get me wrong, we see them. But like out there, when we go out there, a lot of times we don't see them. And I was thinking about, you know, that light down at the corner where you, you go from here and you go down to the light and you turn right and you can go up to Walmart and you turn left, you can go to Chick-fil-A, except not today because it's Sunday. And, and you know what I used to see at that light a few years back? I used to see, there's this old guy. I used to see other families too, but there's this one guy in particular I remember. See cap and beard and shabby clothes. And he was just in need. And you know those moments when you pull up to the light and it's just uncomfortable, isn't it? Because all that's separating you from that guy is, is just a, a clear pane of glass and he can see you. <laughs> and so you got to decide what you're going to do that, that day. Are you just going to like look forward because the light's red? Are you just going to look forward and pretend you don't see him? Or are you going to lean over and say, well, I do have some change. I do have a few bucks. I'm going to roll down the window and offer it to him. Or, or maybe even on a really good day when Jesus is really grabbing our hearts, maybe we say, hey, hey listen, you want to just head down to Chick-fil-A? Let me grab you a meal and let's sit and talk because you're a person with a need and you're not an inconvenience and you're not an annoyance and you're not an interruption. You're just a person with a need. And this is what Jesus invites us to see. Do you know why, why Philip? Why, why did he ask Philip? Most commentators say, you know why he asked Philip? Because Philip was from that area. They're in this area called Beth Bethsaida. When they crossed the sea, Philip was from around there. And so Jesus is turning to him and saying, hey, hey, Philip, where can we get bread for these folks? You know any stores around here? Where's, where's Domino's? Does, does DoorDash deliver out this far? What do you think, Phil? And Jesus isn't asking him, like, practically, are you going to meet this need? Philip is going to realize we can't. But he's just inviting them to say, Philip, are you with me? Let's try. <laughs> Let's try. And, and so many of it, like, Jesus would say, lift your eyes and see the need. And let's do something about it. Do, do you want to do something about it with me? And, do you know that's, that's why we have the Dream Center? To do something about the needs right here in our community. Because we can hear about missions in the church, right? And we can think, oh, there, there's all those people that are unsaved like over in Africa. There's people who never heard the gospel in Indonesia. And, and that burden is one God would lay on all of our hearts. Yes, he would. It's a really good burden. We should be praying that. We should, there's, there's some of us in this room maybe who, who God would lay a, a burden to, to go after that, to fly across the world and chase after that and, and, and seek to meet those needs. But do you know what else? There's people in need right in Shrewsbury. Do you know who's to have a burden for them? <laughs> Me and you, us. Like we're not supposed to wait for that guy in Moscow, Russia, who's just thinking, Lord Jesus, I think there's, I think they need the gospel in Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania. I don't know why, Lord, you've just put this burden on me. God, 
God works practically. You know who he's put here? Us. <laughs> do you feel a burden for this region? Do you, feel, do you lift your eyes? Do you see a need? Are you willing to say, yes, Jesus, let's meet it together? Because that's what, what Jesus would invite us to do. And do you know what that takes? That takes trust. That's, that's the other thing. When we see need, it takes trust trust. There's a testing here. Isn't this line just kind of funny? Like, Philip, where are we going to buy all this bread? But, but Jesus said this just to test Philip. He knew what he was going to do. Just to test. We hear test and we think like, like pop quiz, like in high school that we all hated, right? Because you get those pop quizzes and you're not ready and it's pass fail. We think, oh man, here Jesus goes like it's a pass fail quiz. We're not ready. Philip's going to fail, right? I don't think this is that kind of test, though. There's a different kind of testing. Do, do you know, like, it's like when they build a bridge. They, they build a big bridge, right, that's made for trains to go across. And those trains are heavy. Cargo trains, they, they carry a ton, of, a, a ton of stuff in those cars, and they're like 80, 90, 100 cars long. And they build these bridges that are built to carry them. And if you were working on that project, say you're an engineer and you're working on that project and you say, look, I planned it perfectly. Do you know it's going to carry a train? Yeah, I did the math. Like, look, it's, it is going to carry a train. It's built for it. It looks perfect. It looks so great. And all the math works. It's going to do it. How do you know? You become a different kind of engineer. <laughs> you jump in the train and hit, the, they don't have gas pedals, but you hit the gas pedal. You drive that train across the bridge. How do you know it's going to carry you? Because you take it across the bridge. And Jesus is, an, this is a test. Philip, you know who I am, right? I'm the Messiah. You know that. You've told other people. You know I'm the Messiah. But do you know I'm the Messiah? This is a test. Because we skip right to the miracle. And, and, and think about this. Philip lifted his eyes and what did he see? He saw 5,000 men, but other gospels tell us there's women and children there too. That was just the, man, the, the, the count of men. So there's more like 9, 10, 12, 15,000 people, some people estimate. Here, Philip lifts his eyes and he sees 10,000 hungry people walking toward him. And Jesus says, Philip, do you see the need? Let's go. Let's, let's meet it together. And I think Jesus would say the same thing for us. Like, do you, do you see the need right around you? And I don't care how overwhelming it looks. Would you jump in and meet that? And that's, that's why I said we have the, the, the dream center. Jesus says to Philip, these are your people. You're from this area. These are your people. Do you see the need? And, and so when... Years ago, when we started the Dream Center here at Grace, it, it, wasn't, it was because there weren't just needs across the world. There were needs right here. Right here. And so we said, why don't we, why don't we get a group of people to go out? <laughs> Not everybody comes to the hill. Go out and knock on some doors and say, hey, is there any way I can make your life easier today? And that's, that's what they've done for years. Alan Smith sitting right back there. Leads that ministry. People going out. And now they've, they've built relationships because that's what it's about. It's, it's, can we meet a need to build relationships? Because these are people. <laughs> these aren't problems. These aren't interruptions. These are people. Meet a need to build a relationship. So what? So that they might come to know the love of God in Jesus Christ. It, and it's all got to be there. You can't skip that middle part because if you skip the middle part, you're just opening their mouths for food, giving them some food, and then shoving the gospel down their throat. That's not, 
That's not what it's about. It's about, listen, let me, let me get to know you because you're a person of value. God loves you. Do you know that? I, I hope you would experience his love in this meal today and just in our conversation. And after building relationship, do you know the deepest need of your soul is Jesus Christ? Do you want to you know more about him? And that's, that's what Jesus invites us to do. And we've been partnering with Jesus to do that through Adopt-A-Block and Community Closet and, and, and Harvest, serving meals and giving out food. And the gym, people get, coming to get their physical needs met. And Jesus says, I've, do you see the need? Lift your eyes. Do you see it? Are you willing to trust me and meet, meet it with me? Meet it with me. I'm going to invite Pastor Mark to come and continue walking through the passage together. So Ben has taken us back to this story 2,000 years ago and looked at the need and then brought us forward to this present moment and the need that's here. So I have the opportunity now to walk us through God's provision 2,000 years ago and how he is here to provide for us today. So I'm I have the opportunity, you've already heard the rest of this text so you know a miracle's coming. And this is now gonna be the fourth miracle that we've looked at in the Gospel of John. The first miracle, if you remember, was Jesus turned water into wine. And that was, and they followed that then just two chapters later and gave this teaching about how he is the living water. That when we drink from him, we never thirst again. That, that miracle is followed by two healing miracles and we've talked about those and, and Jesus used those in order to help people understand who he is. And now we're going to look at this miracle with food that after he performs this miracle is gonna to lead to, again, a presentation that he is the bread of life who has been sent from heaven. But all these things that Jesus did, he did in order to, to show that he is in fact the son of God and that by believing that we may have eternal life. So as Jesus looks at needs and then he is the provision, as Ben said, it's not just about that provision. That provision is so important. Ultimately, the, the provision is Jesus. It's Jesus himself. And we're gonna see how Jesus leads to that in this passage and in our lives. So we're gonna look at verse eight and nine now. We just talked about Philip. Now we're gonna look at Andrew, another one of the disciples. And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's burden, said to him, speaking to Jesus, he said, this is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? There is a boy here who has this food, but what difference could it possibly make? In the Gospel of Mark, we find out that this wasn't just a random choosing, that Jesus had actually sent the disciples out on assignment and said, go out and see what we have. Bring in the resources. And it's pretty amazing that when we think, as, as Ben said, there were 5,000 men plus women and children, one little boy with a little bit of food is what was brought to Jesus. But significant of who brought him. When we look at, the, at this uh, disciple Andrew, one of the 12, uh, we see that he's mentioned very, very few times in the New Testament. But what we do, what we see when we look at Andrew's life is that he is a bringer. When we look back to John chapter one, when he found Jesus and he knew that Jesus was the Messiah, he went to his brother, you may know him, Simon Peter, and he said, hey, brother, you need to come. He's here, the Messiah is here. So Andrew bring, bring, brings his brother, Peter, to Jesus, and then 
all of a sudden we see that, that Peter becomes like a central figure. He's one of the three disciples closest, closest to Jesus. Uh, we hear about him throughout the Gospels. We hear about him on the day of Pentecost. He preaches and 3,000 are saved. Uh, he becomes one of the primary leaders in the church. But how did he end up with Jesus? It's because of a bringer. It's because Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Here we see Andrew bringing a little boy with some food to Jesus. In John chapter 12, we're going to see that Andrew brings some Greeks that are looking to speak with Jesus. Andrew is a bringer. And when we look at Andrew, we can see something that God is calling all of us to be, that we are all to bring to Jesus, to bring people to Jesus. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with the mission statement of Grace Fellowship Church. So as I say it, you're invited to say it with me. God has called us to bring them in, build them up, and send them out by his grace and for his glory. But it starts with the bring that we need, you know, we're called to bring to Jesus. How do they, they have an opportunity to know if they haven't met? So what, what uh, Andrew does, he brings this boy and he brings the food that the boy has. Now we've talked again about the masses of people there and it would seem like this bring is a little bring. Like what difference is it gonna make? It's a little man with a little lunch. And literally that's what it is. It's a small lunch. The, um, the barley loaves, again, I, I, I think back to Sunday school and for some reason, I, I picture flannel graphs that have at least five good-sized loaves of bread, okay? And a couple big fish. Um, and even regardless, even if it was that, we're talking about 5,000 men plus women and children. But commentators believe that uh, because of specifically in John, it says that they, these were barley loaves, that there were probably small loaves of bread and barley was considered uh, to be the, the, the bread of the very poor. Um, barley was, again, this was something that was looked down upon. And this is what was being brought to Jesus. Five probably small barley loaves and two fish. Not fish. This isn't a fish story. Fish. Okay. Um, Galilee was known throughout the Roman Empire as, as being a place that produced pickled fish. So it w- they would preserve the fish because fresh fish was, was a luxury. So these were probably about the, the size of sardines. So as I've read through commentator, you know, different commentators, there's some that try to explain this miracle way and, and, and try to minimize it, but the reality, it, that's all a little fishy. Okay. Try. There's still a need there, I understand. We'll look for God's provision. But, but this is what was brought to Jesus, a little man with a little lunch. And that, but look what Jesus did with this little bit. So here's the challenge that I personally was faced with as I looked at this. What have I failed to bring to Jesus because it seemed little? Who have I failed to bring to Jesus because I didn't see them, as Ben said, as God sees them? We are to bring to Jesus. Just bring to Jesus. Everything and everybody, as I thought about this, like, what are we not to bring to Jesus? We'll ask this way. What are we to bring to Jesus? And I think the answer is yes. Okay, doesn't seem to match. What about this? Yes. What about this? Yes. What about them? Yes. God is calling us to bring all to Jesus, kind of like the dollar store. How much is that? The dollar? How about that? A dollar? How about that? A dollar? And this? A dollar. 
the answer is yes to what do we bring to Jesus? Everything. Everything and everyone. We're called to be like Andrew and to be bringers to Jesus. Because when we bring to Jesus, Jesus changes things. Jesus changes people. He brings life where there's death. What an invitation. And one of the things that I've felt personally just when we talk about bringing to Jesus, and you want some of the things that we are hesitant to say yes to, when Jesus says, bring me your sin. Bring me your struggle. Bring me your depression. Bring me your doubts. Bring me your anger. These don't seem like things we should bring to Jesus. If Jesus say, bring it. Bring it all to me. Bring it all to me. There is provision as we bring to Jesus. So as we move on in the text, verse 10, it says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the, man, the men sit da- sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves that they had eaten. A couple weeks ago, we saw how Jesus was always partnering with the Father. He specifically said that I do nothing on my own. Everything I do is because of the Father. And now as we look at Jesus and what he did, we can see that we too are to partner with Jesus, just as Jesus is partnering with the Father, that we are to partner with Jesus. When I look at this passage and see what that looks like in the practicality of it, um, because honestly, it's, it's pretty challenging. Partnering with Jesus can be challenging. Steps can be difficult, and there can be times that it's very hard to understand. But God's, Jesus is calling us to partner with him. So in the other gospels, we're told that Jesus first, before he did anything else, he called the disciples to organize them. He said, have the men sit in groups of 50 and hundreds. So as, as Ben talked about the number, like I know we have less chairs in here, we, we need to spread out a little bit with COVID, but um, we can fit 1,000 people or more in here. So figure 15 times this place full, that many people. And he's sending the disciples out and he's saying, put them into groups. So the disciples have to go through all these people and he's saying, okay, about 50 over here, okay, about 50 over here. They're organizing and, and, and I'm sure that as they're doing that, the people are saying, well, what, are, what are we doing? You know, why are we doing this? Disciples are like, uh, Jesus said it, I don't know. I, I mean, he has a couple loaves and a couple fish, you know. But, but I mean, think about the practicality of that is that they're walking in obedience to what Jesus says, even though it may be challenging, it may be hard to understand or hard to explain, but they're partnering with Jesus because Jesus said, do this. The other thing that they're doing is, is the partnering had to do with giving to Jesus. So it wasn't just bringing the boy and the food to Jesus. It was, it was giving the food into his hands. So many times we can get close to him and be in his presence, but yet we're not taking that, that action of actually placing it in his hands. But when it was placed in his hands, he did something that a father many times in that area would do bef- before a meal, that he took that food and he lifted it to the father. And he would say a prayer, something like, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, who, sends, who provides bread from heaven. So he's offering up to the Father and, and he's making that connection saying, I'm not working alone, this is, with, with, this is with Dad, okay? But they're part of that because they had placed that food into their hands. Then Jesus takes the bread and how he did this, I don't understand. We're talking, again, five barley loaves and two little fish. Somehow he divides that all up 
among 12 disciples. Literally, the practicality of that, I don't understand that. I mean, it kind of feels like the communion elements, you know, with the little, little things, but like they were, they're each given this little bit, so they're now receiving from Jesus. They've given to Jesus, now they're receiving from Jesus. And now he says, okay, go out and start distributing. And how that works, I don't know. I don't have a clue. Like, I kind of wondered if maybe they had baskets and like they would reach in this basket and pull it out more and pull it out more. I don't know how it happened, but I mean, they count in all four gospels. It says that from the five loaves and two fish, that 5,000 men plus women and children were fed. God called them to distribute, to be the hands that gave out. And they were part of a miracle. They, Jesus was involving them in his work and they were just getting to be part of it, being that, the hands that could distribute to all these people till that entire crowd was full. Can you imagine? And then Jesus says, wait, I want you to partner with me some more. Go collect the leftovers. And they went around. So it says that he filled up 12 basketfuls. Well, there were 12, 12 disciples, followers of Jesus, and it was common for the Jews to carry with them a basket wherever they went. It was like a bottle-shaped basket. And in that basket, they would just collect things as they were going, going around uh, throughout the day. But uh, specifically, they would put food in it. So there's a good chance that those 12 baskets were the 12 disciples' own personal baskets. And as they went around and collected in partnership with Jesus, they each had a full basket of fragments left over. So the leftovers were more than the start by far. The leftovers, after all these thousands of people were filled, this is God's provision. It's miraculous, it goes beyond what we can comprehend, but, but this is God, this is what he wants us to, to discover for ourselves and to find what happens when we come into partnership with him. Do we believe as Ben said about trust, do we believe that these very things can happen in our lives? Do we believe that the miracle worker of 2,000 years ago is making miracles today? He's calling us to partnership. Test him. Jesus said it was the other way, right? That he was gonna test. Well, Jesus calls us to test him in this. Will we trust? Will we give to him? Will we allow him to do what he desires to do? Because he's desiring for us to be the vessels that receive from him, that give, that be the vessels that can give through and are in partnership with him. In these last two verses of this passage, when the people saw the sign that, that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The people knew scripture. They knew prophecies concerning Messiah. And when they saw this, they experienced it like their bellies were full. They thought back and remembered in Deuteronomy, Moses had said, Deuteronomy 18, 15, he had, he had declared that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is, it is to him you shall listen. They were convinced that Jesus was in fact that prophet but what did they want to do with the prophet? Jesus sensed what was happening. He knew what was happening. They wanted to make him king. And what did Jesus do? He withdrew. So just to understand that, the king that they wanted him to be was the king that would provide for them in the way that they wanted provision from a king. 
we've talked about this before, is that they were under Roman oppression. It was an oppressive government. It was an oppressive way of living. It was in their face constantly. And when they saw power, like they literally just tasted and what they just ate, they thought, he is the prophet. And, and they were ready. They wanted to make him king because here is the man with the power that is gonna set us free from Rome. This is the man with power that's gonna lift us from this oppression. Jesus was not in agreement with that. He withdrew. And from this, I believe that we can learn is that what we need to do, we need to submit to Jesus. We need to submit to the rule, ruler that he is, not the ruler that we want him to be. And this is a constant struggle. As I thought about this, I really just honestly this morning, it became so clear to me that, that this all ties into my prayer life. It ties into your prayer life. So we're called to bring things to Jesus, so we bring our needs, and we're to, we are to bring those needs. But personal confession, I've caught myself so many times bringing my needs to Jesus, thinking I'm informing him about my situation. Jesus, you know, and, and I don't say it that way, quite this way, but it's like, if I don't tell you about this, Jesus, you must not know, okay? Here's my situation. And, and again, we don't say it that way, but yet so much of the time, I, again, I'm telling you what I can be guilty of so easily, and, and I don't think I'm alone. But it's like, so I'm informing God of my situation, and, and in reality, I'm almost questioning whether or not he really knows. Well, he knows before we pray. It's important to pray, because that, that's us putting our faith and our trust in him. Okay. But as I bring my needs to him, am I desiring to partner with him or to use his power to meet my needs in the way that I want him to? And this is, please don't hear condemnation. This is not condemnation. This is the, str- the struggle, part of the struggle that we live in. Because we feel our pain. We see our need. And we see the solution. And we want to make him king in the way that we feel is going to be best for us. And there are times I believe Jesus withdraws, not his presence from our lives, but yet there are times that, that he pulls back and said, I know you want this. I know you want this in this time and this way. That's not my best provision for you. It's hard to understand. But the heart, of the, the heart of God is always love. The heart of God is to always draw us close to him and for us to experience his best, what he has for us. And that's what he's calling us to, is to find his provision. And as I submit to him, as I submit to him, I will discover provision far beyond what I could have imagined in his time, in his way, but he is provider. He is provider. So what we want to challenge you this week is to first of all, as you're going through this day and this week, is make sure that you're, you're thanking God for the provision that he has. You know, this is one of the things, again, that God's really stretching me in like a lot, is to constantly be thankful for his provision and to see his provision in my life. You know, the, the fact that I can even complain to God or call out to him in any way or whatever I'm doing, it's because he's provided me life. He's provided me strength. He's provided me the ability to speak and to think and to, and to understand so, I mean, I need to understand in the midst of it that how he is providing. There are so many things and so many ways that he's providing that, he, that I can just look right past because I'm focused on the need but miss, missing the provision already had. Has, when I look at the, his provision, it gives me faith then to trust him. So the second thing then is to be purposeful in the bringing and giving to Jesus. Like to really say, man, my life is, is about bringing and giving to him. 
that it's, it's in the people, it's in the things, it's in, uh, you know, it, it's in those prayers, but, but it's, it's bringing to it and then giving, placing in his hands. And this is something, again, that, that I'm constantly being stretched in, is like, so I bring, but will I place it to his, into his hands? Will I give it to him? Because so many times I can come right before him and yet I'm still holding on to it. I'm saying, God, take care of this and I still have it in my hands. But I need to give it to him and allow him to do what he desires, to pray his blessing, to do what he desires and then hand back to me and, and see how he's gonna work. And then we want to encourage you to, to keep reading through these next couple of weeks. We're gonna be in John chapter six and we're gonna see how Jesus takes this miracle and the next miracle and then how he brings greater revelation again of who he is. But we want you to be pursuing the provider and discovering how he is desiring to work in your life as you bring to him, you uh, partner with him and you submit to him. So what we have the opportunity to do now is to uh, step into an area where we're going to see in a very present and personal way of, of need and provision in God's intervention. So why was the story of the 5,000 in all four gospels? Because <laughs> they wanted to remember. <laughs> And sometimes if we don't tell the story, so, so God provided way back then for the 5,000. How does he provide now in our lives? And sometimes if we don't tell the stories, we don't get to, we don't get to see and celebrate what God has done. And so we want to share this morning with you just real practical, kind of by way of a family update for Grace Fellowship Church, the story of God's provision. Time and time and time and time again. And this, this story starts way back, don't, don't get too scared. It's not going to be too long, but listen. <laughs> Can I go back to September 2019? If you were here at Grace Fellowship Church in September 2019, that was when we did a, a rollout of New Vision called Vision 2020. And if you see the, there's kiosks out there that still have signs for it and there's information about it. There's actually these booklets out there that tell about the Dream Center and they tell a little bit about this Vision 2020. And you know why we, we saw the Lord moving in this way? Because we as elders were challenged. You know, God had faithfully provided through all of you, all of us, resources for Grace Fellowship Church. And we were starting to see our savings grow and, and grow. And, and then our, our overseer for the elder team, one of our overseers said, said this. He said, let me give you a kingdom principle for money. God's money works best when it moves. You know that? It's a kingdom principle. It's a biblical principle. Sowing and reaping. God's money works best when it moves. So, so we got this bit. This isn't a nest egg to sit on. This is something to invest in the kingdom of God. And so we saw God move forward with vision to invest. And we were going to invest in, in, in three different ways. Expand a dream. We saw God move mightily through the dream center already. And we thought there's, there's more that he wants to do. What does that look like? Well, that might look like harvest expansion and counseling center. That might look like uh, that. That might look like a senior residential center. We we didn't, but we're casting vision to then invest with kingdom resources. Right? Plan a church. We saw a need in relationships build up in York City, and we had. Alex Gilbert, pastor of students at the time, feel a call to be planning a church, and we saw. So we saw need and need combining with the provision of God, and we said. We, we need to move toward this. And then there was Transformer Region. Pastor Jeff had developed relationships with other expressions, and we had had some regional gatherings, and we wanted those to continue so that we gather as God's, as Christ's one body, one church throughout the region. So this was fall 2019. 
that, that this was cast. And then, and then in early 2020, we did the Treasure Principles series. If you were here, you remember where we, we learned that, you know, as Christ followers, we're to spend God's resources, the resources he's given us, in ways that are radically different than those of the world. The world spends their money on their needs. We spend God's money on, on his kingdom, on, a, on eternal needs. And so February 2020, we send the treasure principle keys, which are still out in the lobby. You can go out and grab a people and we uh, grab a copy. <laughs> and, and we learned that, that this isn't our money. This is God's money. And that our hearts go where we put God's money. And so we signed and dedicated that and we had a first fruits offering where we saw God's incredible provision and generosity through you to, to again, build up the provision, what God had provided. And that was incredible because we didn't know what was coming next because March 2020 was COVID. Nobody saw that one coming. And, and, and everything changed here, right? And, and during that time, we did see giving go down. And we started to wonder, you know, the government at that time, March, April, May, was offering these PPP loans offering for, so, that, so that people could make payroll. Restaurants and businesses and churches could apply for these. And we were researching all this. Should we, should we apply for this? We'd seen giving go down, but we hadn't seen it go down a lot. So it seemed like the Lord was leading in spite of the financial uncertainty. You know what? We're going to leave that for others. We're not going to apply to that money. And you know what we saw God do? Provide. <laughs> June 2020 end of our fiscal year last year, halfway through a pandemic, right? And yet, God continued to provide through his people. And we saw at Grace Fellowship Church the largest single ever giving year at Grace Fellowship Church. So where in years past, the year prior, we had seen this is a, a chart of giving through the years at Grace Fellowship Church. How, how much have you all, as a body of grace, given? The year before, it, it exceeded 1.8 million. That's a lot. Last fiscal year, in spite of the pandemic, it exceeded $2 million. That's what God provided. Praise God. And, and do you know what this allowed us to do? Your provision, your generosity, allowed us to move forward with some things in confidence, like Zeal Church. So Alex and his team had been planning in the background. In October 2020, we planted a church in York City in spite of a pandemic. <laughs> And now they're meeting weekly up there. They get an average of about 50 people a week up there. They're seeing new faces every single Sunday, new faces, a lot of them from the community up there. They're gathering. They've seen people saved. They've seen baptisms. They're now offering a pantry every other Sunday so that people who need food can come, not only enjoy services, but get the food they need. God's continuing to grow and thrive and show fruit through there. Praise God. And then we come to December. <laughs> After that, that's... That's not enough. Lord, it seems like the Lord's leading the elders to say, you know, let's gather around and let's spend God's resources on needs out there. Not just needs right here, but needs out there beyond the four walls of grace, beyond our community. And so the elders decided we would call the body, call all of us together to give to the New Life Christmas offering, to provide solar panels for New Life Children's Home in Guatemala, to help provide a, a new driveway that's needed fixed for a long time at New Life Home for Ch Women and Children in Glen Rock. And we thought, what's crazy? $25,000 would be crazy in the middle of a pandemic. And so we call you all to give, and we're wondering, well, maybe we'll, if we don't make that, we'll, we'll, we have some other money in savings. Maybe we'll put it in so that we make the $25,000. We didn't need to, because together we saw God provide $61,000 through us together as a body. And 
and that brings us back to today. There's other highlights, but we, we haven't done a financial update for the Body of Grace for a while. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> we used to put numbers in the bulletin. We don't have a bulletin anymore. So we're, we're looking at how to provide those numbers to you more regularly. But how is, how is Grace doing today? Well, this is out in the lobby. It's been out in the lobby. It's out there. This will give you a picture of the, 19, the 2021 fiscal year, the whole fiscal year. If you want to see the numbers in our budget, that's what you can see. And we provide that out there. It's been out there. I know you can't read it on the screen, but it's out there. Um, you'll see on that that our budget for the entire fiscal year from July 1st, 2020 to June 30th, 2021, to make budget, we're expecting a giving of $2 million, over, over $2,063,000. That's to, to make it for the whole year from Grace and from Zeal Church. We're 40 weeks into the year, so if you divide that out, that would be $1,587,000 and change, right? So where are we at today? How much has God provided for you? To, to date, he's provided $1,560,000 over that towards our budget. Praise God. Now, <laughs> yeah, you can clap for that. Praise God. But I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> that's less than the uh, amount on that. That's, that's a difference of $26,000. And we see that and we think, ooh, because if we were $26,000 behind in our household budget, we'd be a little nervous. But, but listen, this isn't our household budget, right? This is 1.2% of the budget. This is nothing. Uh, and, and I also want you to remember this is budget versus giving. This is what we budget. This is not spending versus giving. We've spent far less than $1,587,000. So we have not overspent. We're in a very, very healthy financial position is what I'm trying to say. In fact, there's leftovers. Do you know that? <laughs> there's leftovers to date in our savings account, not our checking, not our operating expenses, our savings account to date, $475,000. We saw that not decrease but grow over this past year. And so, with that, we believe the time is now to do what we held off a year ago. The, the Harvest Cafe expansion and the Counseling Center expansion that we were looking to do a year ago and we held off, we believe the time is now. And I'm going to invite Pastor Mark up to talk a little bit uh, just briefly about that. So it's exciting that we uh, get to step in now. Today is the day that we're uh, announcing this to the body, expanding the dream so as Ben said, we want to rewind a little bit, though, just to look at where we were in this process a year ago. Um, a year ago this, to this day was the day before Easter. And think about how different things were last Easter. Um, this worship center was empty on Easter. Um, we had been, uh, we went into lockdown on March 14th, and uh, we thought it was going to be two weeks. <laughs> okay. And things just kept changing, okay? There were, uh, and you guys know the process. We've all ridden this ride together. Um, but what had happened was as we were progressing through, so we were uh, about a month into um, the, the effects of the strong effects of the pandemic, we were still planning to move forward with this, um, with this expansion, with expanding the harvest as well as the counseling center and, and building that. And, uh, and we really, again, we were tracking along. We thought that that's what, uh, what we would be doing so we had already, we had finalized plans, we'd gone out for bid, we, had, we were ready to, to sign a contract, we'd even gone to the township and, and received uh, authorization as far as approval of the drawings and, and the permit was ready to be picked up. Uh, but as Ben said, there was a lot of uncertainties. And, um, and at that point, we really just felt like God just put a pause. 
And, you know, we talked again earlier just about how in our lives there's need and there's provision, and often God's working is different than what we anticipate. And when, again, we were, we were moving forward, but we really felt that God was telling us to put a pause on this. And, and what had happened is that there were so many things. There were, there were certainly, you know, financial, financially, we didn't know what was going to happen moving forward through the pandemic. But the, the needs were even totally changing. So when we looked at the harvest is that, you know, when, with the lockdown and everything, the cafe could no longer give out meals. That stopped, had stopped completely for, for a time. The pantry could not even provide food for a number of weeks, um, even though there, there was need. And concerning counseling, uh, in-person counseling was completely, uh, completely off for a time. It had gone to phone counseling and to um, you know, visual over the internet. Um, but those needs, the, the, what we needed that space for no longer existed in that season. But what we did see happen were two things. Is that through the pandemic, we've seen an increase in needs. We've also seen how God, God has re-envisioned the ministries and they actually expanded the ministries through this time. So we know that the increase in needs has happened. Financially, families, have been imp- families and individuals have been, Im- have been impacted. The needs for food and things like that have, have increased in that regard because of changes in employment and, and, and situations like that. But also in regards to counseling, many of you may be aware of how uh, depression and anxiety have risen significantly. In fact, through the pandemic, some studies are saying that the request for counseling in regards to depression has gone up 63% in regards to anxiety, 92%. These are just two areas in, in regards to our mental health that the need has increased so much. There's also increases in domestic violence, in substance addiction, in overdoses, in suicide, in suicidal ideations. These have all increased through the pandemic. The needs have increased. But praise God, God has, again, through this time, has provided opportunities for these ministries to re-envision and even expand. So the cafe that used to be set up where people could come in and sit down at tables, we weren't able to do that, but we were able to provide meals to go. And through the pandemic up to this point, we have been able to provide over 4,000 meals to go through the ministry of the pantry, Harvest Pantry. So praise God. The distribution of food through the, through the Harvest Pantry, again, for a, a short time, that was shut off, but then God just began to open floodgates, literally the provision of food and the opportunity to give food away, and we've seen God do the miraculous. Since March of 2020, over 65,000 pounds of food has, has been distributed through the Harvest Pantry. I mean, praise God. I mean, that, that is miraculous provision far beyond what we could have imagined. And what God's done through that is that it's not just coming out from the harvest. You know, our vision for, the, for Grace and for the Dream Center is that we're part of the kingdom of God in this area and of one church. And what we've seen is partnerships established that we've been longing for with other pantries where we've been able uh, to, to uh, this, I think Southern York County Food Pantry provide like 10,000 pounds of food uh, for holiday distribution. You know, that, that we've been the, the ones that God's, God's used and then other pantries have provided for us in their surplus. So, I mean, there's been this partnership that has been absolutely beautiful. We've been able to minister to the needs, which used to be with the pantry that you could come in once a month. Now we're allowing, we're allowed, we're allowing people to come in every week to receive food that's needed. 128 families have been served, and of those, 72 are new families through this pandemic. I mean, God is just doing the miraculous. Yes, and, and it continues. So 
counseling, again, counseling uh, began moving from just virtual to being able to be in person, and virtual is continuing. Uh, so again, there's opportunity for both. Uh, but we've been partnering for quite a few years with um, two primary counseling agencies. These are Christian counseling, so they're, uh, the, the counselors are clinically cha- tra- trained, but they're also founded on faith in Christ and strong biblical counseling. So we've been working with uh, Safe Harbor Christian Counseling as well as In Him Christian Wellness. And these two ministries have been able to continue. We've been providing our office space. We've had one office dedicated just for counseling throughout the week. And then we've been using the cry room during the week at different, different times because the needs, again, are growing. And there are now four counselors that are working out of here uh, you know, on a weekly basis. And we're just seeing absolutely incredible things happening. Uh, so for anybody that is in need of Christian counseling or know somebody, you know, we want to encourage you to take advantage of these opportunities to come to Christian counseling and find a godly help that, you know, through difficult times. Uh, so you can go, you can email the uh, counseling at gfcshrewsbury.org or pick up one of the Grace Cares ministry cards out in the lobby and it has more information for you or for anybody else that, that you would like to refer. But we've seen, again, this counseling, these counseling opportunities grow So now I get to uh, lead you through a little bit of what this release looks like. Uh, So one thing that we want you to know uh, for certainty is that uh, Pastor Jeff is, even though he's detached from us through the sabbatical, he is like full in on this uh, because before he left on sabbatical, uh, he gave a number of prerogatives for leadership. And this specifically was one of the things that he said, although he would love to be here and be part of it right now, he said, if you feel God leading and releasing you to move forward in these, do it. I mean, it was, and he's given, again, quite a few prerogatives as far as leadership to, um, to develop and move forward, actually, in any way that God would lead us, but specifically, Pastor Jeff had spoken into, um, into this release. Uh, so, uh, so we're moving forward. This is, uh, we're working with a contractor. There's a meeting tomorrow, and, con- and construction is going to start very soon. Uh, God, again, has, has brought so many of the pieces of the puzzle together. It's absolutely incredible. So the cost for this project is going to be about $325,000. And as uh, Ben has already shared, we have 475000 in savings. So before the project begins, it's paid for because of the faithful giving of you and many others. That, I mean, it's God's provision. It's absolutely beautiful. So I want to tell you a little bit about what, it, what it's going to look like. So this is the area that we're talking about. If you're looking at the front of the shopping center, um, to the left of this picture would be the community closet, and to the right would be uh, Lord's Gym. Uh, so these are the three storefronts right in between. From left to right, it's the, it's the Harvest Cornerstone and then what we call Suite 86, which is uh, classrooms. Uh, so that's what the front of it looks like from the outside. If you look at it as a floor plan, the front would be at the bottom of, the, of this picture. And again, left to right is the Harvest Cornerstone in Suite 86. So this is as it's currently configured after construction, that's what it will be. So I'm gonna walk you through the areas just so you can see what's happening with this expansion. So on the top left, this is the current pantry area. There are double doors in the, da- in the back right now that are being used um, for people to do basically do drive-bys where boxes are taken out and placed in the cars. Um, so the pantry, again, right now is, is in that, that rear area of, of harvest and it's going to be expanded then into the central area of the cornerstone space. So, so again, it's an expansion, it's not a move. Now one thing that's not shown on here is that uh, if you, again, look in, in the harvest area, the area right below the pantry is the bakery. And as the pantry expands, it's gonna actually allow that bakery to move back further because there's also a need to grow there. That bakery does incredible work. And if you've ever eaten anything from, from bakery, it's phenomenal. Uh, so then the next part, is the cafe. So this is the current cafe, which shaded in blue, and that's in the very front part of the harvest. 
And what's going to happen with this construction project is that it, that's going to now expand over into the front of Cornerstone as well. It's two different levels, uh, but it's all going to be connected as one space. So we're going to have seating for, uh, for over 80 people uh, in that space. So this is, again, as uh, restrictions are lifted with the pandemic, this is going to be opportunities for people to sit down at tables, talk together, and, and experience this building of relationship and showing the love of, love of God as, as expressed through Jesus Christ. And then finally, in the back of uh, Suite 86, as well as the rear of Cornerstone, this is going to become the counseling suite. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit more description of that in just a moment. So uh, 3D renderings, if you look at it, again, that, um, that top left is the current cafe looking up toward uh, what will be the expansion of the cafe, which is on, on a higher level. It will be a half wall uh, div dividing that. And then, oops, I'm sorry, let me back up. Um, then the bottom left is looking from the expanded cafe um, down into the, into the existing. Uh, one of the beautiful things, if you've ever um, been in the cafe, that's being added is two public restrooms at, at, right, right there. So, I mean, it's been a need. And now with uh, the expansion to, to meet code and everything, it's going to provide um, a much greater service for, uh, for the people that, or guests that are there. Uh, so, again, that, that right picture then is just kind of lifting the roof off the building. And the left part would be the existing cafe. And then the right is the expansion. Then if we go back to the uh, counseling suite, this is again lifting the, 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 the roof off of it. Um, this counseling suite is gonna have a reception area that, that people walk into, a reception and waiting area, as well as six, six individual counseling spaces, uh, as, long as, as well as a private restroom. There are other restrooms that are just, uh, just down the hall from that. And what's gonna happen here is that it, it is counseling, it's a counseling suite, but in him, Christian wellness um, is, is a holistic approach to healing where they provide counseling, but they minister to the entire person. So they also have uh, things like creative arts therapy. They have uh, massage therapy. They have uh, nutritionalists. They, because what they've seen is there's, you know, we're, we're whole beings made up of different parts. And what happens in one part of our, of our life and our being is it going to affect the others. And in him, Christian wellness has a calling by God to, to, again, to minister to the whole person. We're going to see some amazing things happen as there's cooperation and coordination between therapists with different, different focuses. Uh, we've been in partnership with them, again, for a number of years. John Burchard is the, uh, the founder and, and the CEO of, of it. And we had the opportunity to talk with him and his board of directors and his assistant executive director uh, just the other day on a video call. And it's so cool because even in that call, we saw God building connections between a, a church that's in Carlisle that they've been working with for some time and what, what's happening here. And we're seeing Transform Region happening even through this expanded dream. It's just abs absolutely amazing. But it's just people with similar hearts God's putting in connection with one another. And, uh, and the, the excitement was just huge. I mean, we, we've already, we're already dreaming of some things that we can do together. Um, but it was so neat when John asked, uh, he said, well, what's, uh, you know, he's, they're excited. I can't tell you how excited. He said, so once we, um, once this is done and we move in, what's going to be the cost? Like what will in him need to pay towards use of the space, utilities, and things like that? And we were able to very excitedly say zero. We, we provide that space for them because God's equipped them. God has called them and we get to help release them. So, I mean, it's, uh, so it's super exciting. And then there, uh, the chairman of the board said, you know, he, he was just amazed because he, uh, he said, you know what, last year, if, if this opportunity would have opened up, we wouldn't have been ready. But in this past year, God has helped build infrastructure here and we're ready. God has positioned us now. So, um, so again, it's just the goodness of God is that uh, what hurts sometimes as far as our delays and our disappointments, actually God's posturing us for his provision. And uh, 
So what we see is uh, something beautiful happening now in regards to this area of the Dream Center, and, and it's the needs of our community and God's provision are converging, coming together. And we see that all the time, and we see that, I trust that you see it in your own life, how God, uh, how, how there's a need in, in, in your life, and then God brings provision, there's this divine convergence, or God's using you to meet a need in other people's lives, but we wanna celebrate this convergence of the needs of this community and of God's provision. It's truly miraculous. And the way that he's gonna use this and multiply it, it's, it truly feels to me that, like what we just talked about, um, something that can seem small as we contribute and we wonder what difference is it gonna make, God says, let me multiply it. Just place it in my hands. And he gives it back to us and then we're to be stewards. And then God just allows people to come in and be touched and go out and who knows who all they touch. Uh, one of the things I didn't share is that, you know, uh, we never know who we're touching. Um, there's a, a story of an old German schoolmaster that was teaching bo- young boys, and when they would come in, he would take off his hat and do a little bit of a bow just in honor to them. And he said, well, why do you do that? He said, well, I never know what these young boys are going to grow up to be, what men they're going to grow up to be. And one of those young boys uh, was Martin Luther. You know, we don't know the life that we impact, how God's going to use that life to go out. So what, what do we need to do is be faithful. We keep bringing, we keep partnering with Jesus, and we keep, again, submitting to him and trusting him, and he is doing a great work. So just to, uh, <clears throat> just to reaffirm this, this is not something we're asking you to give to. You've already given. <laughs> I, I don't know how many of you give to Grace Fellowship Church. I don't know what you give. Leadership does not know who gives what. I only know what I give, and I know sometimes when I give, it doesn't feel like much. <laughs> feels like some measly little loaves and fishes, but look what God does, right? <laughs> God multiplies again and again and again, and so you've already given this. Your continued giving just gives us confidence to move forward with this today, so there's one other thing you can do, and I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet so that we can do it. You can pray. That's the impact that you can have on this move of, of God both now and in the coming weeks as construction starts and we look to inhabit these spaces in the next few months. And the celebration, the fruit that God brings is not nice-looking rooms. It's not ever about a building. It's about the lives that are going to be transformed by the ministry that goes on in these places. And so the, the rooms are that way. I'm going to ask you to just turn and extend a hand that way. And let's just pray over that together. Lord God, we thank you for your provision. God, we thank you that before we ever see a need, you see a need. And so, God, we were, uh, you had laid a, a dream on our hearts for, for counseling, for increased capacity for the harvest before we ever knew the ways that those needs would increase during this pandemic. And so, God, even as the needs increased, we thank you, Lord, that you continued to provide. I thank you for the provision you've made through all of your people as they've given sacrificially to the work of your kingdom both at Grace and in other places. And God, because of that giving, Lord, we turn this back to you and we say, have your way with this. God, we thank you so much, not only for um, the spaces that will be changed, but more more and more for the lives that will be changed. We do not know who will be uh, crossing the thresholds of these doors, but we ask that you would even now prepare and, and just bring families in that as they receive a meal, that you would uh, allow them to understand and receive your love in a fresh way. 
We ask that those who would come in for, for help and guidance, for counseling, even if they don't know you, that they might come to know you through the conversation and through the guidance and through the help of these counselors. And God, we, we love you and we thank you for all the ways in our lives that you do more than we could ask or imagine with, with the little that it seems that we can have. So we thank you for what you've given and we thank you for what you have yet to give. We thank you for what you've done in our lives and the lives of so many who have in, in, interacted with the ministries of grace and we thank you for what you have yet to do. We will praise you for it because it's all for your glory, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Grace Fellowship, for being here today. Thank you for being a part of this. And uh, also, I want to encourage you to stop by and be a part of planting something new, too, with Grace Kids. So stop by the counter out there to find out more about that. God bless and walk in the love of our God provider. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Woo.